Good afternoon and or morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. My name is Jesse Vondracek, and I'm here with my co-host. Hey guys, Marilyn here. You can find everything with me at mcc.coach. Good to be here with you, Jesse. Um, and I have, uh, I'm really excited to hear about your race, but one thing I wanted to kind of interject with is since we do not have a fancy intro, I got a question about our title the other day and thought maybe we could just do a quick recap before I ask you what's going on. Um, so podcast is called the 99% and, you know, feel free to interject anytime here, but the whole uh, kind of idea with the name is that we really want to focus on the things that help people, um, get to that full 99% of, of say like fitness, as opposed to focusing on things like putting a water bottle down their shirt and, or, you know, using form goggles, things like that, that might help them get that last 1%, but maybe isn't going to make up the 99% of how they have a good, fun, fast race. And that is, you know, in general by improving fitness. So that is kind of the, the focus of this podcast. How's that? That was awesome. Great. Okay. So just to get that out of the way, welcome to the 99% and congratulations. Uh, you just got back from actually like almost literally just got back from a pretty long race where you took second place, right? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, we drove back last night, got back at one in the morning. So you guys will have to excuse me if I sound a little pooped this morning, this morning here in Tucson evening there for you. Um, never done anything like that before. You know, when you've been racing a long time, been racing since 1999 on the bikes and I had never done anything like this. And it was, um, yes, yeah, six hours, get as much distance as possible in six hours. So you're time trialing for six hours, no matter what. And it's just how far can you go in six hours? And, um, that was really interesting, totally different format than anything I've ever done. 18 mile loop until the last 90 minutes. And then they put you on a four mile loop. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was hard, man. I mean, I am smoked this morning. <laughs> it was, uh, is definitely, you know, you think, oh, six hours, I'm probably going to just go at a moderate pace for six hours, but it was, it was not like that. I mean, I, we were just talking before and I was essentially sitting at threshold and even over that whole first two hours and got hot, windy definitely not a dead flat course. Um, the gal that beat me, I was second female overall, sixth overall in the race. Uh, she was fifth overall in the race. And, um, it was the course record on that course was 132 miles. Both her and I both got 132 miles. So she just got it in a time allotted a little bit before me. So that makes her the winner. And, um, yeah. So she was just, you know, she kind of attacked on one of the climbs and I kept her in distance and we went back and forth for a little bit. And then I tried to keep her in sight, but then just, she was just straight up a stronger rider than me. So second place was, I was really happy with that. I went there, I got, you know, got the goals that I went for. I wanted to be on the podium. I wanted to get at least 130 miles. Um, I wanted to experience something new and see what it was all about. It did not play out at all. Like maybe what I thought as far as like uh nutrition strategy all of those things but yeah it was good and i was definitely i mean I, i'm it was it was really really hard just just wrecked i mean concentrating and time trialing for that long even though we've done 
you know, Ironmans and I've done lots of crazy epic long rides and, you know, I've done gravel races that have taken me eight hours. I've done lots of seven and a half hour rides. This was just different. I mean, sitting in your TT bar is kind of on it, you know, for six hours is just a whole, it's a, it's a different animal for sure. It was, it was a good experience. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty challenging. And, and, you know, I've done a lot of the same and you go for those kind of whatever seven hour rides, but you have gas station stops or you're sitting in or you're descending. So you get those kind of those breaks built in. And when you have to be on the gas for six hours, that, that sounds hard. <laughs> I I feel for you. Yeah. So good job. I, mean, I didn't expect, uh, it was hot. I mean, you should, if you saw any of the photos that I posted on Instagram, I was just caked in salt <laughs> in the end. Like, I mean, legit chunks of salt all over my kit and all over my face. I was just like, whoa, <laughs> it was pretty funny. One of the pit stops, my crew was amazing. They were like a little F1 crew. And when I stopped, I guess I came running and I'm like, Saldito, Saldito, Saldito. <laughs> That's if no one knows what that is, they're these little Mexican candies that are, they're like dried plums covered in salt, super, super salty. And I was just yelling for them, like, Saltito, Saltito, Saltito. <laughs> Gil's pushing them in my mouth. <laughs> like, oh my and I had salt in my bottles and stuff, but not enough. You know, it was, it was just hot and that's a really hard effort. So yeah, cool stuff. Well, yeah, good job. Way to get through it and take second. That's awesome. Thank you. How about you? What um, have you been up to these days? Uh, so I have... You know, I'm doing a little bit of coaching with the, the Wildcats here. And on the weekends, we've switched over to mountain bike rides for the winter. Um, so very exciting news for me is today I just ordered a mountain bike because I've been doing these mountain bike rides on my gravel bike, which is not ideal. You know, I don't mind being underbiked. That's kind of a, a fun game for me. Um, but at some point, that stops being fun. And the descents, for one, it is a little bit less fun. I've been getting pretty pretty beat up the last few weekends on my gravel bike, so I finally uh, bought the bullet, ordered a, a mountain bike, and I'm I'm pretty excited for that. Dang, nice, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, but it's been really fun, kind of getting into a, a new adventure with with some you know riding on trails and at kind of teaching the kids some skills and and yeah, I'm excited for for the winter of of kind of mountain bike riding as opposed to road riding, it'll be a, another kind of fun, different challenge. And I mean, I've mountain biked in the past, but it's been a lot of years since I did like the 24 hour in Tucson or anything like that. So I haven't owned a mountain bike for a while. So I haven't ridden a mountain bike in a while. So, uh, so yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited. Very cool. You know, as I was yeah. saying about the, the race, what was really, uh, was funny is that, you know, I had said, yeah, I'm probably going to start with my heart rate around 145, 150 for the first couple hours and then build from there. And I uploaded my file and I mean, I knew it was racing too, but this morning and the whole first two hours, my heart rate was 170. <laughs> like coming in hot, <laughs> coming in hot. It was just like, oh boy, that strategy went flying out the window. I wouldn't have changed it though. You know, that I was telling you earlier is the strategic, um, you kind of have to, sometimes when you're out there racing, we've talked about this in other episodes, when you're racing for overall type stuff, sometimes you have to tactically make a decision on the fly and figure, and just decide if you're 
going to be able to handle that. And sometimes you got to roll the dice too, and and trust that all the training that you've done and the things that you've done will allow you to do that and still, you know, be in the race and recover and not blow yourself to smithereens. So there's a real balancing act between making those decisions and knowing where the line is. And definitely, I mean, the, there was sort of the front of the race went pretty hard the first two laps and the two, the women that I knew were going to be my competition were in that, in that sort of mix. And so I thought, I got to go, I got to go with them or they're going to get a whole lap in front of me and I might not ever make that up. And so definitely went way harder the first two hours than what I had planned for. And um, I'm sure I suffered a little bit for it, but I don't think in the end it changed a whole lot. I don't think I would have changed how far I went or how fast I went. And I certainly don't think I would have beaten the gal that beat me had I changed anything there. So um, it made it more painful. I mean, I think that probably made it a lot more painful, but, um, but I had faith in the fact that I do the, you know, I do the hard group rides here in Tucson. We start out pretty fast and then I carry on and, and do pretty long rides. So I had some faith and I knew, I understood what that felt like. And um, I had done in training a, a ride with two um, friends that are really strong riders. And we rode 140 miles out from Tucson to Sells and back. And they pushed it pretty hard all the way out there with me sitting on their wheel. And then I came back strong all the way back. So I felt like I had prepared for knowing when I was making those decisions, I was like, this is a risk for sure, but it was somewhat calculated. And I knew, I knew I had, I, I knew I would be able to handle it. And, and, you know, in all cases too, if when, you know, shit kind of hits the fan, if you stop and regroup, like I stopped in my pit, I mean, it was only 20 second stops, but like ice, water, Mountain Dew, and got the fluids in, some calories in, some salt in and quit and cooled off you can, you can kind of bounce back, even if you're, even if you overcook yourself a little bit, but it's being willing to stop for, you know, 20 seconds at an aid station, if you need to, when you're in those positions. So, so that was interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely beneficial that you've kind of been in those situations in the group rides where, you know, like, okay, this is hard or this is too hard and where that line is. Cause I think that's, if you didn't have that experience, that might be a lot harder to figure out in that one moment. And, and so, yeah, going in like well-prepared to make those decisions by doing group rides for, you know, a, a long time leading in so that you were, yeah, you were ready to know where that line was with your body. And you could say, Hey, this is like, I can come back from going this hard, but at a certain point it gets a lot more challenging to come back. So, so yeah, I think, yeah, if, if you hadn't done that, then it, you might've been, struggling a little bit more, but it seems like you're, you're pretty well been prepared for any situation. And so, yeah, it worked in your favor. It's just way more painful that way. I was like, Oh God, is this yeah. really for starting this thing? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Very cool. Um, but today we are going to talk about some of the athlete, now maybe not specific athletes, but athlete types that we coach and kind of give people a set, an idea of, yeah, the types of athletes that we're currently coaching and maybe a glimpse at what kind of athletes we're, we like to coach. And I guess, I don't know if you're looking for new athletes, but if you are maybe the type of athlete you're looking for, but to get into all that, um, yeah, let's, let's start talking about the athletes that we are, the types of athletes we're currently coaching. And we kind of use that to springboard into, you know, maybe a little bit about how we coach and who maybe some of our ideal candidates for athletes might be. 
Yeah, thanks for having this conversation. I wanted to talk about this because it's the time of year when a lot of people are looking for coaches or looking to maybe change coaches. And sometimes, you know, they look through all of the things that we have out there and our websites and and they're they're unsure of are they the type of athlete that would fit with one of us, right? I get that question all the time. You know, maybe they even come to a conclusion themselves of the type of athlete that a certain coach works with. And so I thought this would just give us an opportunity at this time of year to talk a little bit about, you know, clear up some of those maybe assumptions or just give, you know, some ideas for people out there if they're looking around and and trying to decide, you know, what kind of coach they want to work with, if that falls in line with what we do, if they're looking, looking us up, that kind of thing. So I think it's an important conversation and, you know, people who are looking around out there always ask, right. Ask before you assume. And that's a really good thing too, to say, like, I'm really interested in you and, and maybe is your philosophy and the types of athletes you coach fit with me. So definitely want to open that door up today to people and, um, yeah, I think people are surprised sometimes, you know, when you, both of us have been coaching a long time. I've been coaching for over 20 years. And I think that there's a lot of assumptions out there of maybe the type of athlete that you work with. And people can be surprised that I definitely work with a variety all the way from people who don't don't really race at all. It's not part of what they're trying to accomplish all the way to people who are trying to win their their division in the race overall and go to world championships and even maybe maybe try and win their division in the world championships. So a really, really big variety. Yeah. I'm curious about the athletes that don't race at all. And so do they still have, have goals or is this just like, Hey, let's stay fit so that when you do want to race or yeah. How do you, how do you kind of structure that with some of those athletes? So on my team, one of my biggest philosophies is, is no goal is more important than someone else's. We all come into this with a goal to be better in some way. That's why they've reached out. They're trying to accomplish something. They're trying to better their life. They're trying to, they've made a clear decision to, you know, hire someone to help them be better. And so I don't treat whether you're trying to win the world championships or you're not racing at all. Your goal is personal to you any different within our team. Every single person's goal is just as important as one another and deserves the same amount of respect and support. What's important to me is that the person's level of dedication and dedication to change and dedication to the goal that they set out for themselves is in their actions and is in line with what they've, decided they want to do. And that's really important to me. So if you say to me, I want to win the race overall, and then then that's going to require a certain um, level of dedication, a certain level of training, a certain level of, you know, your things are going to look a certain way. There's going to be a certain set of expectations to go with those goals. And same thing if you're saying like, hey, I want to better my life by incorporating triathlon training or cycling or some kind of endurance sport or even lifting. And, you know, that goal is really important to me. I'm going to expect the same amount of dedication, the same amount of structure and the same amount of commitment to that goal that you set out for yourself. And so I'm kind of like the accountability, right? It's the, you said you want to do this. And so now you need to show it the level of respect that you've said that you want to do. And that's the most important thing. So it's not necessarily the goal, whether they're racing or not, it's the commitment and level of dedication 
and the set of actions that's in line with what someone said they've set out to do. And so everybody has that in common when I work with them. Yeah, that's awesome. I, um, I also have some athletes that don't race or don't race a ton and racing isn't their main goal. Um, I have like, I have some athletes that just do like time trials currently and on the bike, but that is maybe not their main focus over the next five years. That's just what they're doing right now. But that's kind of built into like, Hey, like, where do you want to be in five years? And, and for some athletes, that goal isn't as much a race goal. It's like, Hey, I want to be like healthy and fit and kind of able to achieve certain things in maybe day-to-day life or like say over, over a summer or something and be kind of fit enough to make those types of things happen. And so, you know, maybe their plan is kind of structured towards making them a more fit human and how we get there can be very different based on the athlete. But, um, but yeah, it's kind of like that, that progression over time and, and, you know, are they willing to do the work and how does that fit into their life? And I kind of, I think one of the things I was picking up on with you is that, you know, their life has to um, kind of go with what their goals are. And so if you want to be a fit human, that might take you, you know, whatever it is, like five to 10 hours a week right now. And that's, that's plenty if you're going to do that over time to be, to be a fit human. If you want to say, win your age group at an Ironman world championships, it's going to be very challenging to do that on five to 10 hours of training, right? So you have to be dedicated and willing to put in the necessary time that aligns with your goals. Cause if you're like, Hey, I'm going to train four hours a week, but I also want to win the Ironman world championship. That's kind of where those things come to a head for me where it's like, well, you know, I can help you get to the goals you want to have, but at four hours a week, I don't have a magic wand and I can't make you in your age, get a world championship unless you are insanely blessed with, uh, you know, a lot of gifts or have trained a really long time in the past, but uh, probably, probably not. My, my magic fairy dust isn't going to be able to make that happen. Um, so yeah, it is kind of about them having goals and hopefully they can have big goals. They might not be racing. They're, they're in something that they want to achieve. And that's kind of like one of the things I look for. It, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be winning the Ironman world championships. I do have some athletes that that is their goal in, in their perspective category, whether it's the professional field or whether it's age group. Um, but then I also, like I said, have, have athletes that are like, Hey, like maybe I want to go for an FKT on, on a trail run, or maybe I just want to be like fit enough to be able to go for a run, a hike and a bike that are fairly long in five years. And then, yeah, they're, they're willing to work at that and they're willing to acknowledge kind of their lifestyle commitments that they currently have and how that's going to play a role in and maybe helping them and or limiting them in reaching those goals. And, you know, they're, they're willing to say, Hey, like I am, you know, 65% um, like into triathlon and then, you know, 35% into the, or sorry, 45% into these other things. And, and like, how do I make that work and kind of willing to, to kind of play that game and, and have that kind of life balance where not all my athletes are a hundred percent all in and, totally dedicated like their life to sport, right? There's definitely some athletes that have other things going on, whether they're balancing a master's degree or a PhD or, you know, just working a full-time job with kids and need to devote energy to those places. But then it's like, well, how much time can we carve out and how can we use that to the best of your ability and really communicate that it's fitting well into your life? Um, 
Yeah, and Sorry, I, I went for a while there. Yeah, it's good. It's great. You know, I think that's that's what I really want this to be about is like allowing people to hear what is important to us as coaches. And, you know, that's the other thing that either people when they work with me learn over time because they have that willingness to change or they have an understanding of it that is part of my philosophy when you work with me is that it's going to be it's going to be a big picture program and we're going to be doing this for a while and it's going to be progressive and it's going to be consistent for a long time. And so, you know, I'm not looking for those type of people that are in it, you know, we're going to just, Hey, I'm going to hop on board for a couple of months, going to try and do something, you know, and then, and then just vanish. You know, that's not, that's not my type of athlete. My type of athlete is going to come to me. I've coached people for 16 years, 14 years, 13 years, 10 years, you know, most of my people have some that are new, but we, they're, they're around a long time because there is this overriding understanding that this is a big picture plan for, a, for, and we're going to do this together for a long time because you are committed to these life changes that is important to you. And I'm going to help you do that. I'm going to help you see your blind spots. I'm going to keep you accountable to the things that you said you set out to do. And even if they evolve and change with life, right, then we can navigate through that and make sure that it is, like you say, working with your life and, and that we're just getting a little bit better all the time. We're slowly changing habits. We're slowly, you know, becoming more of the, uh, in line with the goals and the vision that you have for your overall life and health and fitness and sport. And, and in relationship, a lot of my athletes, they've said, you know, the things that they've learned over the years, they apply to either their careers or their family and their personal life. And we try and make that all fit really well together and it's consistent and it's repeatable and it's progressive and we get a little bit better all of the time. And so that becomes, you know, that's, that's a really important piece to me. And um, so, yeah, I'm not one of those, Hey, come jump on my 12 week program do this for this block. And then I'll never talk to you again. Even the athletes that at some point, if they move along and they end up, you know, doing something else completely and we're not working together, it, you know, I might work with someone for as long as eight years, and then they just move on with their life with other things. And um, we remain friends, you know, I have athletes that I coach years ago and we're still in touch all of the time. And they you know, they can come back and circle back to me anytime because we have that relationship of we were committed to this goal and this self-improvement and whatever that goal was. And we did it, did it for a long time together with the big picture. And they did genuinely get better in their whole life because of it. And, and we stayed in line with that. And so those things are really important to me, you know, that's so Again, whether it's a, if there happens to be some amazing result results along the way where someone achieves, you know, some kind of, you know, title or, or awards and, and I'm fortunate, all my athletes, they, they really race their hearts out when they do race and they put it all out there on the line. And that's another thing that I say, like, just give it everything you've got and whatever that is, it is. And, and as long as you can look yourself in the mirror and say, you gave it everything you had and you tried your best and we'll figure out where maybe you could do a little bit better and try to, you know, do that the next time the, the results are also consistent. You know, I've, I've heard people say, Oh, your athletes are really, really consistently on the podium year after year after year. It doesn't matter who they are, all varieties of athletes, males, females, all different age groups, all the way from like the twenties age group up into the seventies. You know, I've got a, uh, some athletes that are in the 70 plus age group and uh, winning, winning their age group in the world championships. And it's just, 
I think that when you have those um, solid foundations, the results follow because now it's a, a mindset and a culture and a commitment to a way of life within coach athlete and then within the team and everybody just keeps getting better. And sometimes you're going to fall short and that that's okay. That doesn't matter because the overriding big picture isn't just about that one race. It's about, are we getting better all of the time? Are we supporting each other? Are we making those honest changes within our life to be in line with the goals and the person that we want to be and the things that are important to us? And if you're doing that, consistently and progressively over a long period of time, you're, you're just going to get better and, and the results will follow. So those are the things when I have a conversation with athlete, you know, the red flags to me, if someone's interviewing me is like I say, they come to me, Hey, I've got a race in this race in eight weeks. Can you throw me a program? And then, you know, that's it. I, I'm going to say like, Hey, I'm not, I'm probably not the coach for you. You know, there's lots of templates out there. There's lots of, you can go online and purchase and, and do that. There's going to be other people who are willing to do that, but that's not really what I do. We're kind of in this for a little bit of more of a big picture type progression. Yeah, I am pretty similar in that regard. I mean, I kind of tell people that the idea is when I start with a new athlete that we're going to work together for a full season of triathlon, because, you know, I, in that kind of eight, 12, 16, 20 week time frame, getting ready for a race, you're not really working on improvement, right? You're just getting like, you're working on the skills to finish a race. And that's not, like I would say that the point of, of my coaching isn't to get someone specifically ready for a race. My point is to help them develop as an athlete over time so that if they did the same race every year for the next five years, that fifth year, they would be the fastest or you know, put together the best race, however you want to look at that. Um, and And so, yeah, I think in that one small block, you're not really affecting them as an athlete. You're like just taking their skills and say, Hey, let's take the skills you have and get you ready to actually complete the race. Um, and I think that the kind of the magic, if you will, happens the rest of the year when you're, you know, you've taken a little off season or whatever, and you're in that kind of preparatory phase where you can actually develop as an athlete and you don't have, you know, 12 races that you're doing all lined up. That That's when you can really kind of build the athlete, and so if, if athletes aren't around for that time because they're only want to pop in for that kind of 12 weeks getting ready for a race, then, you know, they might be able to go to the race and be well prepared. And I've definitely have athletes that have, that have done that with me. And like, um, you know, that's great, but that is not like, you know, that is not my goal is to get athletes race ready. My goal is to kind of, you know, layer that cake year after year. And, and yeah, I, I, I definitely agree that that's not, um, not the best way for athletes to just kind of pop in and, uh, and, you know, get, get race ready. Um, do you have any sort of commitment you ask for? Or is it just kind of like, Hey, we're kind of in it for a long haul and, and hopefully they're on the same page. Yeah. I don't put like a, you know, here's a contract, you got to sign this and we're in this for the year or anything like that. But I just, it's a overriding theme and a conversation we have at the front end. And I think people, you know, I get a feel for them pretty quickly, whether that's their approach to their their um, goals or, you know, if it's not, we can both sort of figure that out pretty quickly in the initial conversation and say like, yeah, this is a good fit or it's not a good fit. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't, if someone, if someone is just completely on a different page, then I'll just be really honest with them and say like, this probably isn't the right fit. And I can refer them to someone who could suit them a little bit better. But um, yeah, I think people, when we have that conversation or they seek me out, they already 
have that attitude and that understanding and and it's you know something that doesn't really need to be signed in stone it's just a it's just a under it's a handshake type thing so yeah i like it do you have any um when it comes to your fundamentals as far as programming i mean i know obviously this is like a loaded question because you know it's it depends on the athlete obviously and as coaches we have this deep deep pool of knowledge and tools to apply to different athletes, different scenarios, different progression. And you're always doing that based on what an athlete needs. So it's, it's like a, you know, there is no, like some people, okay, they'll come to me and they want to work with me. They're like, what's your philosophy? Do you, do you do 80, 20? Do you do this? Do you do that? You know, there's very like branded philosophies on your um, actual programming. And I, I know that we've had this conversation, so I'm filling in the blanks a little bit and opening some doors for you to um, expand on. It's like, you know, I don't think either one of us have this like, hey, I'm an 80-20 person. I'm a, you know, three weeks on, one week off, and we're going to go through a base phase and then this phase. I think it's like we have this huge base of knowledge, this huge tool bag, and we apply them depending on, it depends on the athlete or what they need, where they're at, what their goals are, what their progression is, all of these things. I really feel like that's the job of a coach, right? It's like a teacher. You're teaching people something and you got to be able to teach it a hundred different ways so that that one person can get it in a hundred different ways so the other person can get it. Um, but would there be some actual like fundamentals in your program that you're like, okay, this sort of overrides a little bit of what I believe in on that end? Um, yeah, kind of how you set that up. That is a, a, a very loaded question. Um, and, and it really does depend on, you know, a lot about the athlete and kind of what their goals are, what their fitness stage is, what they've done in the past you know, how all the pieces kind of play together. And, you know, I, I feel like, unfortunately, I'm not going to have anything mind bending to tell you on this one, except that, you know, I think that like, you know, consistency is, is the one is the most important thing that we do, right? Consistency, and then making sure that athletes are like somewhat mindful in their training. So like, you know, what is the goal of the session? And, and then are you doing that kind of consistently over time? And, you know, that's, you know, those are kind of my two big heavy hitters is, is, you know, are you, are you able to do this and are you able to do it consistently? And then are you able to kind of keep in mind what the goal of that session is? And maybe the goal doesn't happen every time, but I want athletes to kind of be, be aware. And, you know, even, even when they get done with the session, they can say, Hey, like, I know that was the goal and that's not what I did, but I had a lot of fun. Sometimes that's fine too. But, but just that awareness of like, Hey, like I know what I'm supposed to do in this session and then they can kind of yeah apply that over time um and and yeah that's in it really any type of athlete that i have that seems to kind of be something that's pretty bare bones um that works you know with with any kind of goal set yeah i like that um, a lot i mean i think a lot of the really good coaches out there are all going to say that same thing is that the consistency thing is is key you hear that over and over again and i think that that foundation is just so important and it is you know with most people's lives being busy as far as work and kids and other commitments they have and other interests and hobbies that they have as well you're finding that magic number that works for them that's repeatable you know they can do every week week in and week out, we can just build a little one brick on top of that 
you know, a little bit more, a little bit more laying the foundation. And you can, if you can repeat 10 hours a week, every week for, you know, 52 weeks of the year for two, three years in a row, that's going to add up a lot more in terms of total number of hours trained and progression you were able to make versus if you just did, you know, three months where your, your whole life falls apart, but you're doing 25 hours a week. And, and then, you know, you're not able to do anything at all and you have to take the next six months off. So I think, you know, that, that foundation type, uh, consistency, if you interview any of the, you know, top coaches in, in sports in general, you know, and especially in endurance sports, that's going to be a huge piece of their foundation. So I like that a lot. And I'm also the same way with that. I know that for me, you know, a lot of my athletes, they'll say, you know, I don't typically do, unless it's necessary for a specific athlete, I won't typically do your traditional, like say base type phase where someone's just doing a whole lot of zone two and all three sports and rolling around. I'm really big on, you know, building foundation stuff, even in those repeatable weeks in the off season where we're touching on different energy systems and they're always opposing to one another. So we're, you know, we might not be doing speed work in the off season, but we're doing neuromuscular quickness stuff so that they're able to move their bodies quickness quickly. They have the coordination to move quickly. They have that foundation. We're doing sports specific strength type work, uh, where, you know, they're able to apply force and they're getting stronger and that's, you know, and then we're going to, then we're going to do some, you know, some zone two stuff, some skill stuff, that kind of stuff. So typical base phase with me, isn't going to just look like, you know, someone else's philosophy might be, well, base phases, we're just going to do, we're going to do a lot of zone two work and we're going to keep a heart rate capped at a certain way. And that's going to be their philosophy. And although I might do a little bit of that, I'm really big on making sure that we develop other parts of what I consider important part of the foundation to then transition the athlete into the next phase where we're going to take those two things. We've, we've built the aerobic conditioning, but we've also been always working on that nervous system, speed and coordination and that sport specific strength perhaps. And then that's going to translate those three are going to translate then into maybe some threshold work and then some VO two work, but we're not trying to, you know, engage nervous system stuff and have the strength to apply the force all well also transitioning to threshold and VO2. Those are going to be part of the foundation stuff. So that stuff's there. And then when we increase the effort, we're able to do that. So that might be a little bit different. I know a lot of coaches do that as well, but that's really important to me. Um, especially if someone, you know, if we're looking, we might even be touching on all energy systems throughout the entire year for some athletes, because we, if we can repeat that all of the time and they're just progressive, we're just making it a little bit more and a little bit harder all year round, that athlete might see more results than if we move through different phases. So like anything, it depends on the athlete. Like you said, you know, where are they coming from? What's their background? What's their goals? What's their strengths? What's their weaknesses? So all of these things have to be taken into consideration, but I would say a big foundation with me is that we're never just I find the athletes, if they're just overdone on just sticking with one energy system for an extended period of time, and there's no opposing variation within like 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, within the seven days, 10 days, three weeks, then they just end up falling a bit flat. And especially any athletes over the age of 38, really, you know, it's like when you're in your twenties, you can get away with a lot of different things. And the development is different in your 20s. <laughs> 
exercises as well. You have to spend a lot of aerobic base time and just get miles in. And so that's like a different conversation. If you're new and in your twenties, this is maybe going to be, there's still going to be some of that stuff, those strides and turnovers and, you know, those kinds of things. But, um, but certainly older athletes, this is a really important piece of the foundation. Yeah. And if you have an athlete that has a, a fairly high kind of athletic age, they've been doing this for a while, then they probably don't actually have enough time to do enough zone two work to move the needle, right? Like they're going to do zone two work and they might feel like they're doing a lot of it. And, and it, it might be like, yeah, I'm, you know, doing two hours on the trainer and all zone two. And it feels like really hard and I'm kind of tired and sweaty after, but if you've been doing zone two for your whole life, then at that point, you're probably just losing fitness because you're probably not riding as much as you are in the summer. So yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's definitely tricky to, it depends on the athlete, but I, I, uh, I definitely don't just have my athletes, uh, do a ton of zone two work either. And, and, you know, it, and I'm also kind of thinking Northern hemisphere where a lot of people are indoors. And so that gets a little bit more challenging. I don't know about you, but I don't like staring at a TV for two hours and just rolling, rolling, rolling coal. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I do think it is, I do think it's important. And, you know, some of the training or some of the coaching that I do is, is with, uh, is with some of the teams that I coded for. And you know, I'm seem to be on a wildcat theme lately. I'm hoping that continues to, uh, you know, maybe the U of A at some point for real, but, uh, but for now I'm sticking with the Wildcats in Switzerland. And so it's been fun watching, um, watching their progression over time. And, and even right now we're in, we're in like what you might call a base phase and we're doing, you know, we're kind of capping the run speed for the athletes and not letting them run too fast. But even within their kind of like zone two runs, we're adding in, you know, some hundred meter strides to, to do it exactly what you're saying, get the turnover up and hopefully the heart rate doesn't get crazy high or if it doesn't kind of come back down pretty quickly, but, but just to kind of keep some of that neuromuscular action and, and we're, yeah, including a few other things to kind of help with their, uh, their athletic development. And, you know, we're doing some kind of things to keep it fun. Like we're doing some, some stairs and some hopping upstairs and, and things like that to kind of say, Hey, like we want to, we want to keep you, keep you firing and keep, keep things growing and hopefully, yeah, get you a little stronger and, and, and yeah, so kind of, but we're also doing some of that zone two work in there. So it's just kind of keeping that mix and, and yeah, I kind of like things like things like that strides, but strides that are short, like during the season, you know, my athletes always make fun of me when I say strides, because sometimes my strides can be fairly long. You know, sometimes I'm like, some people might call them reps at that point when I'm like, eh, go do like 10, 10 minute strides. It's fine. Um, that might be a rep <laughs> but yeah semantics whatever but this time of year it's like hey what if we're just doing five second strides so you're getting that turnover up you're getting some really good neuromuscular firing you're developing some some really good efficiency but you're also not like putting a big strain on your body so you can really kind of uh you know use that same thing throughout the year but this time of year you know maybe my strides are five seconds but maybe later on we're doing like something like 20 by a minute so it's like actually kind of like a workout um so yeah i definitely kind of agree with that and i also think that this time of year you can do a lot of that in the pool where you know you can say hey like we're gonna do some hard work in the pool you know 50s 25 something like that where you're going really like pretty pretty hard but then maybe you're doing some more, you can balance that with some zone two work in other places where it's like, maybe it's winter, you're going out for kind of a winter run or a cross country ski or something. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, would you say there's any um, any type of athlete that you would just straight up seek out as a, like, is there a specific quality if you were hunting that you're saying, I'm going to talent ID somebody? Is there something that you specifically are looking for? Um, you know, I think, you know, in my career, I think I've, I've only asked two athletes if they're interested in working with me. Um, and it's because, you know, I, I saw the drive and I saw what seemed to me to be kind of like untapped potential. And so that's kind of been like a, a, a match where, you know, an athlete looks like they're, you know, they're super excited about what they're doing and they're like, you know, eager to learn. And it looks like that they, you know, they have um, some potential in whatever, like whatever kind of realm that is. And, and I, I mean, sure. Like it could mean that they're going to get their pro card and potentially win a race, but it could also just mean like potential to do well for them. You know, it, this could also be like, you know, a, a 55 year old that is trying to get the, the best out of themselves. So I don't want to say potential and have people think that like, I'm talking about, um, you know, like Usain Bolt standing next to me, I'm like, well, this guy's got a lot of potential. It's, um, it, it can be seen in a lot of ways. Right. Um, and, and so someone that has like that drive and that like potential and, and yeah, it, and I, I feel like that I can help with that. So when I see that, that's kind of, the, so those have been the times when I've, when I've asked, but really the things that I look for are people that are psyched on it, that want to learn and that are willing to like, um, willing to communicate well. I think effective communication is, is something that doesn't always like, doesn't, doesn't always happen. And I think that's really important, especially like right now I'm in Switzerland. So I need people that are willing to maybe get creative with their communication, whether that's, you know, a, a video call or, you know, filming themselves in the pool because I can't get on deck with them and, and kind of like lean into to that and leaving me, um, you know, my new big thing that I'm trying to incorporate more of it is voice notes with my athletes because then I can actually hear their tone or their voice. And, um, and you know, it's, it's not as good as having an actual conversation. Sure. But like if the timing zone doesn't line up for me, but they can leave me a voice note and they can kind of tell me about it. Then I can hear some of that inflection. That's hard for me to read in training peaks. So, yeah. So I've again, gone on a tangent, sorry, but communication and, you know, people being psyched on, on, kind of trying to maximize their potential in however, you know, however that is and however much time they can dedicate are some of the things that I, I really look for. Um, what about you? Yeah, I think the two main things for me that I look for are a love for what someone's doing. They got to really love it because there's going to be, there's going to be so many highs and lows. And like we said, the consistency and the long-term progression are so important in my foundation that there has to be a passion and a love for what they're doing. And so, you know, that has to be, I have to see that. I have to see that they're in it for the right reason. They really love doing this. And it's really important to them to have this part of their life because then no matter what happens and how hard it gets or how great it is, whether the greats are really, really high or the lows are really, really low, they're going to float in the middle just because they they love it and they're going to stay at it for a long time. So that's that's really important that I see that. And then the next is that they have 
you know, a, a good attitude about it all as well. You know, if someone's got a pretty, pretty level-headed, good attitude and same thing kind of goes in line with that. They can ride out the highs and the lows and they've got this commitment to what they've set out to do for a long period of time, then that's going to work really well with me. And we're going to have a lot of laughs along the way. We're going to probably have some tears along the way and all of, all of the above. And it's just, you know, it's going to be like that, but we're always going to lean on those things and know that we're getting better, just a little bit better all of the time. You know, I even just helped, I've worked with this one woman for a number of years through top results where she's gone to world championships. She's won some overall races. And then, you know, she's just had her first baby. We just trained through her first, you know, through a pregnancy and then having a baby and then wants to make sure that she handles the postpartum part very well and then get back into you know what will what will mom being in shape look like so lots of different phases of life but her her passion for the lifestyle and love for doing this has never changed and her attitude has never changed and so that's why it works you know and, and I can say that confidently about all of my athletes and if I'm watching and I'm looking for someone I can see how they go about their life and how they approach things then and and the foundation of how they are I can say yeah that's going to work that that's going to work with me and it's going to work I think in, in long-term of what they're trying to do. And so those are, those would be the things that if I'm like a fly sitting on the wall that I'm watching for and in, in people. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I, I totally agree with those characteristics and I, <laughs> uh, those are good to have. And, um, and yeah, I think it is like, like you're talking with a lady who just went through pregnancy and, and some might say like, when well, does she need a coach? And I would, I would argue that that's maybe, one of the more important times in life to have one because they're, you know, those when, when you're getting ready for a race or when things are rolling along and you understand everything perfectly, that's kind of when it's easy. But when you get in those situations where like, this is new, this is different, this is difficult. That's, that's when you need that coach even more. And that's when making those right decisions are, can become even more important. And so, yeah, I'd say that's like, you know, good job in, in helping, helping someone get through a kind of that critical critical time because that's you can you can definitely do a lot of things wrong in situations like that right as yeah. an athlete yeah very cool um yeah well i, I don't want to keep you too long i know you probably need to take a nap here soon uh. <laughs> i hopefully i haven't fizzle faded too much on everyone i really enjoyed this conversation i think you know short or long i think it's um at least put some ideas out there for people and if people want to i think the the main thing is if you're curious always ask don't assume things so if you're looking at you know, you're listening to all of our podcasts and reading through maybe different articles or different content that's out there on the interwebs or reading through our sites. And, you know, if you're at all curious, the best thing to do is always reach out and ask. And, you know, I think both of us are more than happy to share, you know, philosophies, answer questions, dive deeper into this stuff. Um, you know, and so I think hopefully this gives people a little bit of a taste and idea of what we're like as coaches, as well as what we believe in. And yeah, even the people that we coach that are listening to this touch base back on home on what is important and, and ground themselves as we come into some people are still racing, but a lot of people coming into their off season into the next year and, and connect back with those things. So really appreciate the conversation, Jesse. Yeah, same with you. And yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that I one of the things I do when people reach out is, you know, I you know, get a lot of like long emails from people and I say, that's great. This is really useful information. But what I really want to do is jump on a call 
and see if we're a good fit and kind of like have that, you know, if we can in person or not on a call or a video call to really have that back and forth and, and just make sure that, you know, we are in alignment and I'm, and yeah, I kind of feel like you're saying that same thing where like, Hey, let's, let's have, let's have that conversation and, you know, ask me some questions and, you know, maybe I'm not, but maybe I am. And, and like, we got to find that out beforehand. And I think most coaches are pretty open to that. And that's, so, you know, if you're, if you're looking into coaching, I would say that should be on your list of things to do is to have a conversation with a coach. And, and, you know, I would also recommend you have a conversation with a few coaches so that you can kind of hear how other people say things. And that can really kind of help, help you understand like what the answer to the question could be, and then give you like a little bit of an idea on maybe which coach, which coach's perspective makes the most sense to you. Um, But yeah, thank you for spending the time with me. And so if anyone does have questions, uh, feel free to reach out. You know, you can find both of our, all of our stuff on our website. Cool. Thanks, Jesse. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.